I think it's fairly easy to use a 2014 lens uh, to look at uh, the activities that took place in 1950. Uh, the current acid mine drainage problem merely relates to those mining activities that took place almost 100, and 100 years ago and 50 years ago. So they are really part of the legacy of what South Africa is. And uh, they are not necessarily unique to South Africa. They are universal in those uh, mining countries. The only difference is that uh, in those countries, they've accepted as part of their evolution of those countries from you know, being uh, agricultural uh, dependent economies you know, to primary industrial activities until they go into services. And therefore, they've made the resources available to deal with the legacies of developing their economies. Whereas in South Africa, because of the complications of apartheid, uh, there are competing resources, and therefore prioritization processes are in place. That looks at more the human part of, uh, of, of, of development, where they have to provide uh, uh, you know, social benefits, they have to provide housing, they have to provide electrification. Provide... Therefore, the issue of dealing with our legacies is then and often nobody wants to, to look at, because the current mining companies actually look after their own site. And although there may be one or two problems there in terms of how they manage acid mine drainage from their own side, but universally the issue of acid mine drainage is from historical mining practices. They are not necessarily current mining companies who can be held accountable and be able to do anything, something about the management of that acid mine drainage. So, so I think what I'm trying to explain is that uh, in the past 20 years, you know, individual mining companies have significantly improved their water management uh, practices to the extent that, you know, it's reputational damage for any, you know, self-respecting mining company to allow acid mine drainage to run from its side. So the acid mine drainage problem that is in the public domain is essentially a state responsibility where the acid mine drainage come from uh, uh, derelict and ownerless mines. But I understand there's some legislation tabled or um, suggestions tabled that um, going forward, if, if I am pleased to correct me, mining companies need to accept liability for asset mine drainage even after the mine has been closed down, if, if I understand it correctly, where you, you have an open-ended liability even once you have shut down your business. Is, is this viable? Well, it, 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 <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to say whether it's viable or not because it, uh, it's, it's, it's site-specific, it's dependent on circumstances on each side. But I think uh, the legislation may be strict, but I think it still remains the responsibility of mining companies to ensure that the, the, the water management is managed in such a way that it doesn't leave future legacies. So there is a case for a stricter enforcement of legislation. But legislation alone is not a solution to the problem because uh, you also need an, an innovative approach to how they're going to deal with the issues when the mines are gone. It may be well and good on paper to say the mining companies will be responsible uh, until kingdom come. But in practice, you know that uh, they will exhaust the resource, they will close down you know, by hook or crook, and there will be a residual impact that remains. So for the state not to accept a limited uh, amount of risk, it, it's, it's just simply disingenuous. But I think it's important to emphasize the point that uh, we think there is, it's not possible for one mine to close independent of its neighbors. Therefore, the state needs to make available a regulatory framework where mining companies, 
in an area can collaborate to manage their environmental impacts collectively, not individually, because individually they'll only be able to manage it until they exit. But collectively, they can be able to put the mechanisms of uh, you know sustainability in terms of when they are gone, that those sites are still uh, being managed by some entity or by someone. Because, yeah, just, just speaking about the fact that we need a changed in regulatory framework with regards to that, um, and I don't know if this is your area of expertise, there's been some um, challenges in legislation around mining and enabling the mining environment in South Africa in general. Does that link with that at the end of the day? Well, there is a component of that because uh, I think you've got a problem of uh, duplication of requirements for the same activity, if I put it that way. That, uh, for the same activity, we require a license from the Department of Environmental Affairs. For the same activity, we require a license from the Department of Water Affairs. For the same activity, we require a license from the Department of Mineral Resources. So it is quite possible that there's a gap. That uh, And uh, mining companies are entrepreneurial in nature. So if there's a, a gap, they'll probably take it. So the, 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 the integrated licensing system, you know, is probably an answer to a the governments, departments can align their requirements in such a way that, uh, you know, for any activity, there's only one license required rather than a multiplicity of requirements. In health, I think uh, we, we, we've made significant uh, progress in terms of uh, looking at the, at the number of uh, cases and incidences that are you know, occupational in nature. So I think we've made significant progress in terms of reducing the HIV rates, infection rates. Uh, we have made significant progress in terms of reducing TB rates. Uh, because if you look at other uh, health issues, particularly silicosis, and uh, as, 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 as you say, I think there we, we, we've made significant progress, but the history are still with us. So in terms of going forward, you know, we are quite confident that there will be less cases going forward because of the safeguards that we've put in place. But in terms of historical um, cases, we're also worried because of the, the compensation system, the way it's structured, because uh, the mine worker is actually a, a beneficiary of a very incompetent system. You know, uh, our certification processes, our payout uh, processes are so slow that uh, up to five to six years before he gets uh, his or her payment. So the chamber has actually partnered with the Department of Health to try and optimize uh, uh, those systems at the you know from registry, you know from certification and from paying out, so that uh, the mine worker can you know claim what is due to him from a compensatable disease perspective. So the problem is that uh, mining companies pay levies for workers to be compensated, but the workers cannot access. Uh, those payments because of the incompetence of the of, of the compensation commissioner's office but as i said you know we have uh, made resources available to try and optimize system at the compensation commissioner's office